Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Archdale Church of Christ Sunday evening worship service for 12th of April, 2020. This is the first time we've done a Sunday evening presentation, and hopefully this morning's events work the kinks out of our system. So we are very, very happy to be here and have you to be with us. Tonight we are continuing our series through the book of Romans. We're in Romans chapter 12, and for our reading we will begin at verse 1, and at the conclusion of the reading we'll have a prayer, and then we will have our lesson. Romans 12, beginning with verse 1, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortations, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Let us pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we are indeed thankful for this day. This day that some are despising and hating and loathing. But this is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. May we count our blessings and ignore 
our troubles. We pray, Lord, that you would bless us all as we render this study, and we pray, Lord, that we will give heed to thy word. Forgive us of our sins. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And so there is our text, and we want tonight to consider this subject as far as it depends on you. Give thought. As far as it depends on you, give thought. This is a time for thinking. This is a time for contemplation. This is a time when we can reflect on our lives, where they've been and where they may go, because we have been given a time of rest. Let us not see it as a curse. Let us use it for God's glory the best we can. As far as it depends on you, give thought. We want to use this as our thesis. Think first. Seek God. Avoid revenge. Think first. Seek God. Avoid revenge. Because... As far as it depends on you, give thought. Now, in this passage we just read, we want to make several statements that the passage makes clear for Christians to be thinking about, to contemplating about, to meditating on constantly. First of all, number one, as far as it depends on you, Give thought to repay no one evil for evil. As far as it depends on you, give thought to never give back evil for evil. Number two, as far as it depends on you, give thought to what is honorable. Honorable. As far as it depends on you, number three, Give thought to what is right in the sight of all. Number four, as far as it depends on you, give thought to never avenging yourself. Number five, as far as it depends on you, give thought to leave evil to the wrath of God. Leave evil to the wrath of God. Number six, as far as it depends on you, give thought that all vengeance belongs to God. All vengeance belongs to God. Not some of it, not most of it, all of it. 100% to God. 0% to you and me. Easy to say, hard to do. Now, as an example... You know, the Old Testament was given to us uh, not as a law any longer because that law was nailed to the cross. It's no more. The entire book of Hebrews tells us that we we got to just get away from the law of Moses. It's gone. It's dead. But the Old Testament remains for us as an example and as a warning for our edification. There are things there we can learn from And this passage in Romans that we're examining tonight is illustrated perfectly. 
by a narrative in the Old Testament from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 25. And this narrative gives a historical example of what really happened between three people. David, a man named Nabal, and his wife Abigail. Their intersection in time and place and history illustrates the blessings of leaving wrath and revenge to God and God alone. It is a great illustration. I want to read the passage and then we'll make some observations. 1 Samuel 25, beginning with verse 1. Now Samuel died, and all Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him in his house at Ramah. Then David rose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Mahan, whose business was in Carmel. The man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. He was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was discerning and beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a Calebite. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shearers. Now your shepherds have been with us, and we did them no harm. And they missed nothing at all at the time they were in Carmel. Ask your young men and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes for we come on a, on a feast day. Please give whatever you have at hand to your servants and to your son, David. When David's young men came and they said all this to Nabal in the presence in the name of David, then they waited. And Nabal answered David's servants, Who is David? Who is this son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men who came from I do not know where. So David's young men turned away and came back and told him all this. And David said to his men, Every man strap on his sword. And every man of them strapped on his sword. David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, Behold, 
David sent messengers out of the wilderness to greet your master, and he railed at them. Yet the men were very good to us, and we suffered no harm. And we did not miss anything when we were in the fields, as long as we went with them. They were a wall to us, both by day and night, and while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know this, and consider what you should do. For harm is determined against our master, and against all his house, and he is such a worthless man that one cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two skins of wine and five sheep already prepared and five seahs of parched grain and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on donkeys. And she said to her young man, go on before the men. Behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And as she rode on the donkey and came down under the cover of the mountain, behold, David and his men came down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain have I guarded all this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. God do so to the enemies of David and more also, if by morning I leave so much as one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from the donkey and fell down before her face and bowed to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Oh, me alone, my Lord, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak in your ears and Hear the words of your servant. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your servant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from saving with your own hand, now let them, your enemies, and those who seek to do evil to my Lord, be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servant, for the Lord will certainly make a Lord, my Lord, a sure house, because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord. And the evil shall not be found in you as long as you live. If men rise to pursue you and seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living in the care of the Lord your God. And the lives of your enemies he shall sling out from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause of grief or pangs of conscience for having shed blood without cause as for my Lord working salvation himself. And when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your servant. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion and blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. 
As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has restrained me from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, truly by morning there would have not been to Nabal so much as one male. Then David received from her hand what she had brought to him, and she said to her, Go in peace to your house. See, I have obeyed your voice, and I have granted your petition. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he was holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king, and Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunk. So she told him nothing at all until the morning light. In the morning, when the wine had gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And about ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord, who has avenged the insult I received at the hand of Nabal, and has kept back his servant from wrongdoing. The Lord has returned the evil of Nabal on his head. And David sent and spoke to Abigail to take her as his wife. When the servants of David came to Abigail at Carmel, they said to her, David has sent us to take you to him as a wife. And she rose and bowed with her face to the ground and said, Behold, your handmaid is a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hurried and rose and mounted a donkey, and her five young women attended her. She followed the messengers of David and became his wife. David also took a higher noon of Jezreel, and both of them became his wives. Saul had given Michael his daughter David's wife to Palti, the son of Laish, who was of Galim. So there we have perfect example of what it means to leave revenge to God and to God alone. And how close David came to destroying everything by becoming a mass murderer out of an angry rage. So we want to look just for a moment at what happened here. First of all, in verse 3, uh, Nabal was not, shall we say, a good neighbor. The Bible said, and how would you like to have this on your resume? Harsh and badly behaved. He was a piece of work, this Nabal guy was. And David, in contrast to this man's character, which I'm sure was widely known, David, in verse 6, gives a very gracious greeting. Oh, it was, uh, it was nice. It was smooth. It was sweet. It was syrupy almost. He was really going to work Nabal over. Surely, this kind of greeting, David must have thought, will win his mind over a gracious greeting to a badly behaving fellow. Now, David knows and articulates in his greeting all the incredible, gracious, good, and kind deeds he's already rendered 
to Nabal, basically saving his entire entourage of shepherds and his entire group of animals. Thousands of animals were saved by David by guarding them. And yet, and yet, David still was uh, exceedingly gracious to this man whose name means fool. Now, in return, after being given all this gracious greeting by David and hearing once again all the things that David and his men have done for him, basically keeping him alive, keeping him rich, keeping him out of harm, it's incredible what David done to this guy and for this guy, and yet he's an ingrate. He's an ingrate. He's not thankful at all. It reminds us of Romans chapter 1. The road to perdition begins with ingratitude. People refuse to acknowledge God and to thank him for what he has done. Ingratitude is the on-ramp, if you please, to the road to perdition. This guy was doubling down on ingratitude. He was an ingrate with a capital I. That's assuming I'm spelling correctly. It might be an E. I never got that I and E thing in school. Uh, I still still don't get it. But I muddle through. Now, Nabal's response was terse. His response was terse. It was insulting. It was insinuating of disloyalty towards David. He insinuated that David was a traitor, that he had left his master, that he had abandoned King Saul in his hour of need, and he was a deserter from the army. Now, that's quite an insult to a soldier to accuse him of being a deserter and accuse him of being a traitor. But yet this is what Nabal does. He is terse, insulting, and insinuating of disloyalty. And David's men, they were really, really some patient fellows for, for guys who used to hack off people's limbs with swords, these guys were restrained on this day. Uh, they uh, turned away graciously after hearing the insults of this man, Nabal, towards their general. They did not seek their own revenge. Now David now is going to hear from his soldiers the reaction of Nabal. I'm sure he's expecting that Nabal's going to say, oh, thank you, David, for all that you've done for me. All that I have is yours. We'll feed your men. We'll take care of you. We'll give you shelter, whatever you need. But no, no, not at all. David reacts in what we might characterize as righteous anger. 
righteous anger. Anger that is justified. Anger that is not wrong, but actually right in our own minds. David is righteously anger. He's full of fury towards Nabal. And he has got one thing on his mind, and that's murder and mayhem. He's going to go down there, and he's going to kill Nabal. And he's going to call, kill every man in his family and every man on his farm, every man who is his servant. Hundreds of men are going to fall at the sword of David. At least this is his intent at this moment in time because he is righteously anger. Why? Because in his mind, he says, I've done all this good for Nabal, and now he's going to give me evil. I'll show him what evil is. That's his idea. Now, fortunately, providentially, God has a plan, and he's protecting us even when we're at our worst. And God is looking after David and one of Nabal's men who overhear this exchange goes back to Abigail and warns her, hey, you got to do something. This guy, David, he's hot and he's going to come and kill us all if you don't do something. That's pretty much the message. And uh, this man... We don't know his name. He's a, an intercessor. He could have very easily just taken off and fled and said, man, I don't want to have nothing to do with this. I got to get out of here and take care of myself. No. He intercedes not only for Abigail, but for everybody else on the farm, as it were. And even Nabal himself, he intercedes. He steps in between the wrath of David and the lives of innocent people. Because in this story, no one's guilty. No one's really guilty except Nabal. Nabal is guilty of a lot of bad stuff. Now, this man interceded, and when Abigail hears the message from the intercessor, she takes on the role of intercessor. She not only speaks words of intercessory dialogue, she also does works of intercession. Words are pretty much worthless unless deeds are taken along with it. And so this is this is really this is really fantastic what she does. She talks the talk, and she walks the walk. She becomes an intercessor herself. And she intercedes. <laughs> uh, she, she's, she's, she's something. Uh, she understands reality. Uh, she says, look, uh, I'm here on behalf of my worthless husband. Verses 18 to 20, she calls him worthless. Why? Because he's rendering evil for good. What what person in the right mind would give evil in return for good? And now he's acting foolish and worthless. 
And uh, while this is going on, and David hears of what's happened, uh, he doubles down on his righteous anger, verses 21 and 22. And then the meeting comes between Abigail and David. She arrives with all these gifts and stops him from the murder and mayhem he had planned. Abigail is uh, gracious in the face of revenge and anger. She makes intercession in both, as we mentioned, in both word and deed, verses 23 through 31. And when she gives her heart-wrenching dialogue to David, so I'll put it all on me. It's all my fault. I wasn't able to be there to hear what had gone on. If I'd only been there, I'd have... Well, you, you heard when we read the passage, her pleas to David, and all of a sudden, David, boom, he gets it. He understands immediately, in an, in an instant, what this is all about. This is an act of God's love. God has sent Abigail to stop him from doing something terrible. Had Abigail not stopped David, he would have become as a Philistine, a raider of innocent people, killing and plundering for one's own personal gain. That wasn't David. And so he pivots immediately because David is a man after God's own heart. He pivots immediately from revenge, from revenge to thanksgiving, 180 degrees apart. He repents and he changes and he becomes a man of blessing instead of a man of cursing. And both David and Abigail, as a result, accepted peace from and to each other regarding these matters. She gets to go home. Everyone gets to live. And David goes on his way. No one dies. And no one's heart is bitter any longer, with the exception of Nabal. She returns home after saving her husband's life and what does she find when she gets home? He's having a party. He's drunk out of his mind. That's what she finds. So instead of talking to him about what's happened here and how David has once again saved Nabal's life, she decides not to talk to him while he's in such a drunken stupor. And so in, the Bible says in... Um, his sobriety the next morning about these things. And when she gives him the words of mercy and grace, because his heart was already dead spiritually, when he heard the words of grace and mercy, 
from David via Abigail. His physical heart stopped too. His heart stopped when he heard the words of mercy and grace. And the Bible says that he became as a stone. And somehow he lived for 10 days. And then he died. A wretched life, a wretched man, full of the worst kind of venom and bitterness. But his wife and his adversary were full of grace and mercy and love and understanding and forgiveness because they did not seek their own revenge. Anyone ever deserved killing, it was Nabal. It reminds me, at least what I, I have heard on occasion, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard that in in uh, Texas that uh, there's a some kind of law that uh, will let you off if if you can prove to the judge the guy uh, needed killing, uh, you can get let, let off. I don't know if that's true or if it was true, if it's a story or I, I don't know, but I always heard that. But that would describe Nabal, a guy who who needed killing, but yet God. Bless David and Abigail because they did not seek their own revenge and left it up to God. God took care of Nabal. God's going to take care of every evil person and every evil deed in his own time, in his own way. It's not our business to seek revenge. No matter who or what is done to us, no matter how evil it might be, it's not our business to pick up the sword and to take our own revenge. David thanks God and praises God in verse 39 that he did not take revenge on this insult. People's skin is pretty thin these days. People give insults, especially on social media, at the drop of a hat and then have the thinnest skin when someone would do the same to them in return. We, we've got, as a society, to get a handle on vengeance and revenge and insulting and taking insults. Oftentimes we become so thin-skinned, any innocent word from someone we don't like, for whatever reason, is taken as an insult. Not meant that way, we just take it that way. It seems like many people today can't get enough insults. They live on insults. They love to be insulted so they can in turn insult back. This cannot be the Christian way. And because they did not seek their own revenge and left it up to God, both David and Abigail were blessed. Verses 40 to 41. And this narrative of David, Nabal, and Abigail beautifully illustrates 
the passage that we read in Romans chapter 12. I want to just review once more the attributes that we need to have, attributes that are illustrated by David and Abigail in our story, that we need to have every day because a lot depends on us. The Bible says so. As far as it depends on you, as far as it depends on me, and then give thought. We got to think about revenge. We got to think about vengeance. We can't go there. We've got to hit the brakes because there might be an Abigail to stop us, but there might not be. We don't want to take our own vengeance, our own revenge. It'll end up very badly, not only for us, but for others as well. So as we continue on during this time of great anxiety in our country, let's think on this. Let us think first, seek God second, and avoid revenge third. Because as far as it depends on you, give thought. As far as it depends on you, give thought and repay no one evil for evil. As far as it depends on you, give thought. Secondly, as far as it depends on you, give thought to what is honorable. Think about what's honorable. Don't think about what's dishonorable. Revenge and vengeance are dishonorable and despicable character flaws. Think about what's honorable. As far as it depends on you, give thought to what's right in the sight of all. Now, we can't please everybody, but... We can certainly please a lot more than we do if we just think about it. Because it depends on us. How we think about these things. Think before we act. Number four. As far as it depends on you, give thought to never, never avenging yourself on another person. It will never end well. Never. Not once. Don't go there. And as far as it depends on you, give thought to leave evil to the wrath of God. We have to believe that God will take care of evil and evil people in his good time and in his good way. And we just need to sit back and relax and quit thinking about vengeance and revenge. It's not our business. It belongs to God and he will take care of it. He will take care of it, often in ways that we do not even become aware of. God takes care of his business 100% of the time. You can take that to the bank. And finally, as far as it depends on you, give thought that all 100% of vengeance belongs to God. And think about this as we close. If we seek vengeance ourselves and we seek to revenge wrongs ourselves, when we take vengeance and when we take revenge, 
What are we doing? We're stealing from God. We're breaking in God's house, as it were, and stealing what's rightfully his and taking it for ourselves. A very, very bad place to be. We need to think. We need to meditate. And we need to let it go. Let it go. As far as it depends on you, give thought. If you're not a Christian, you need to give thought to something right now. And that is, if you're not a Christian, you can be the most kind and gentle and loving and caring person there ever was, and it will do you no good. Because salvation has nothing to do about our relative goodness. Why is that, you say? Paul tells us in Romans 3 that there are none of us that are good. So if we compare our relative goodness one to another, what does that do? It does nothing because nobody, no, not a single person is definitionally good. Only God is good. And so it doesn't matter how much good we do. Does God want us to do good? Absolutely he does. But goodness is not a prerequisite of salvation. You might say, well, what in the world is? I thought I was supposed to be a good person in order to, to be a Christian. I had to kind of, you know, uh, give God a, a, a better resume than I used to have before he, he might accept me. No. What does God want? He wants our surrender. He wants our total repentance. Because we can't be good enough to earn our own salvation. We've got to lean on the everlasting arms. And it's a very, very easy and simple request. Repent, surrender, and be baptized. Baptized how? In the name of Jesus Christ. For what reason? For the remission of sins. Colossians 2, 11 and 12 tell us plainly, only in baptism is the powerful working of God in effect. In the powerful working of God in the waters of baptism is where and when God, through the circumcision of Christ, removes our sins from us. Nowhere else and no other time. So if you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, my friend, you're in a world of hurt. You will spend eternity with Nabal and those of his ilk. You think about that. God bless you tonight. If we can render any assistance to you regarding your repentance and baptism into Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, we have a baptistry at the Archdale Church of Christ, and it's open 24-7. You can call me at 704-756-2277 or text me at that same number if you're ready to render obedience to the gospel. We'll see you next time, and God bless you.